The only purpose of the Talking Space podcast is to educate and to inform. The views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweep Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or affiliate. We choose to go to the moon. everybody once again to another episode of the talking space podcast i am the space tweet plagued sawyer <laughs> rosenstein and joining me as well who have luckily not been infected are gene mccalco welcome gene yeah you've got the minor uh space tweet plague uh, uh individual right here but uh, we're getting by and also welcome gina hurley i'm healthy sawyer how i'm sorry to hear you're down a bit but we'll get through this tonight that's all right. I'm down. My temperature's up, and the show is running. And also, Mark <laughs> Ratterman, welcome. I'm not going to say a word. I'm just glad we're all here. <laughs> I think that's the safest bet. So let's get right into things here. The first one is an article that was released on February 22nd by Spaceflight Now, which basically states that NASA's future role will be watching over the privatized spaceflight program. NASA will soon be giving grants and contracts to privatized space companies and will be watching over them, aiding them, and getting them set for manned spaceflight as their future role for the next 10 years. What do you think of NASA's future? Going downhill or going really, really downhill? (laughs) Oh, boy. Where do I begin? Um, Well, this goes hand-in-hand with uh, giving the fact that we're going to give low-Earth orbit operations over to the private sector. Uh, NASA should have an oversight role in that and uh, should be active in you know, assisting with man rating of the vehicles and, and, and what have you. Um, however, if that is just going to be NASA's role for the next 10 years is just to be in an oversight position, I'm not too sure I agree with it. Um, I hear, you know, in the background, I always constantly hear about taking a break and and developing some new technologies to do some things with, with, and I don't hear that plan yet. And until I hear that plan yet, I'm still not getting the warm fuzzies. I guess I think it's pretty much of a letdown. I mean, I, I think it makes sense economically to hand low Earth orbit over to commercial spaceflight, but really is taking the glory out of the glory days of NASA here. I mean... If we're not at the helm of putting people into space where NASA isn't, it seems like a, a huge letdown, and that's just unfortunate. It just seems like a huge step backwards from that perspective. And, um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of good work to be done to make sure these rockets are safely man-rated and that um, the human crews aboard are well-protected and, you know, watched over. But it just seems like uh, NASA's going to shrink if that's all they're going to do in 10 years. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one. I mean, it's true that we should be handing over low-Earth orbit to privatized companies, which is completely right. The only thing is, 
NASA should not be helping the privatized companies stay in low Earth orbit. NASA should be developing its own program to go beyond low Earth orbit. As soon as NASA has perfected it, they should continue on and leave the rest over to privatize, which would make way too much sense. In this case, apparently, NASA is basically getting rid of that. I was at the Challenger Center uh, yesterday, and someone actually said to me something really shocking. They said, basically, if we're handing everything over to the Russians, if we're taking all of our rides now on Russian rockets to the International Space Station... Aren't we basically losing the space war? I mean, we won the Cold War, but aren't we now losing the space war? And I thought that was a great way of putting it. Yeah, sir, the, the whole public perception of the whole thing is that the United States is getting out of the space, the human spaceflight business. Uh, there was just a, an article, I guess, um, oh, shoot, just today, actually, on, in Space Daily, um, saying that, uh, well, now that the U.S. has just sort of, like, stepped aside... The Chinese are definitely going to be shooting for the moon, so it's it is going to be very very interesting to see what what the Chinese program does in in the coming years. I still say by about 2017 we're going to be looking at the Chinese landing somewhere on, on the lunar surface, while we kind of look look back and go, "How you doing, guys?" from from the distance. But indeed, the public perception is that spaceflight, human spaceflight, anyway, as we know it here in the United States, is DOA, and that to me is is sad. Very, very sad indeed. I really want to see man land on the moon again in my lifetime. Unfortunately, I have a feeling they will be planting the Chinese flag and not the American flag. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it for one second, Sawyer. I mean it. Um, I, it, it to me, it's it's just we're just withering away, and we we're we're going to be losing a lot of good uh, a lot of good people that really, really helped us out with the shuttle program as well. I mean, there, I think there are about, what, 5,000 jobs at risk over at the Johnson Space Flight Center, 7,000 jobs at risk over at the Kennedy Space Space Center. And, uh, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, we, I, I need to see what we're going to be doing with these new technologies. Again, I've said this so many times on the show, and I will continue to say it again. I need to see that. That, part of, that part's got to be clarified more on this, on this plan. Okay, so let me just ask you a question to play devil's advocate. I'm not trying to be put you on the defensive, but why is it important for you to see Americans again on the moon in our lifetime? As much as I'm a fan of Apollo, why that versus any other destination? I think it would just be a whole different story of doing it now versus doing it any other time in the past. I think it would bring a whole new perspective to taking a look at people on the moon with our new technologies, with our new spacesuits, with our new cameras and everything, uh, I think it would just bring a whole new view of the moon back to the people here on Earth, and me especially, saying that I missed the entire Apollo glory days. I want to see NASA back in its glory, which to me means on the moon. And if we mm -hmm. could go further than the moon, that would be great as well. Well, exploration and glory ob obviously seem to go hand in hand, but would it make sense to say, okay... China, we've been to the moon, go right ahead, we're headed to Mars. And, you know, maybe that's the ultimate destination. Gene, I hear what you're saying totally, that you're frustrated that NASA hasn't come out with that, here's our goal, a destination of this planet or this asteroid or back to the moon. And I don't know what the holdup is, but I did hear somewhere along the way that destination or that goal is to be announced over the next couple of months. 
Right, and that's when I'm going to start to feel comfortable again. I think that's when everybody over at, at, at the NASA centers are going to start to feel comfortable again. I mean, right now, uh, they just don't know what to make of any, of any of this. My guess is that that destination will have to be announced before the last space shuttle flies. Has to. Oh, it has to. You're right. You're, yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to, but it should be. I think they'll. I think they'll make that announcement. I don't think they can go into a gap period that will just put them into a black hole. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one, Gina. I mean it. What makes you think that they would announce it before the last shuttle mission if they don't even know what their future goal is right now? Well, I think just for the simple reason that America's eyes will be focused on the last space shuttle mission. They might have paid attention to the first one and a few uh, unfortunate disasters in between, but for the 130-plus space shuttle missions that have occurred, they pretty much have ignored it. But my guess is that you will see the media, you know, beat the drum for the last one and, you know, all these specials will come out about the space shuttle program, you know, 1981 to 2010. And you're going to see, I think, a big media push just because it's it's a story to wrap it up. So I don't see why NASA, the White House, Congress, whatever, wouldn't use that media push to make that announcement. Yeah, you got to wonder, though, if, if stepping out on a limb like that is going to put them in direct comparison with uh, former President Bush with his vision of space exploration and and where we've gone with that, it'll look an awful lot like a you know a, a glorious statement with uh, with no future. Yeah, but I suppose we're still at the wee beginning of the present. If they make an announcement, I think that's just how NASA's worked. You know, I mean, look at Kennedy. Where are we going? The moon. When are we going to get there? Ten years. We were able to pull that one off, but. You know, okay, the constellation thing didn't work out. President Bush didn't fund it adequately from the get-go. Here's our chance to make it right. And I think Charlie Bolden's acutely aware of that. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I think he is aware of that. But, uh, again, time will tell. And I think I just hope to God we don't fall into the same trap that Mark is alluding to. Yeah, I mean, we did it with Constellation. I mean, Constellation was, in my opinion, was still, you know, the Space Exploration Initiative Mark II where, you know, Bush Jr. basically did the same thing that Bush Sr. did. But, you know, we'll, we'll just keep our keep an eye out for that. That and who knows, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm going to be proven dead wrong. All right. Well, an interesting conversation, which I think is a pretty good segue into another article. And that was located in the New York Times. And it's an entire article talking about the new spaceport that is built out in New Mexico and the whole future of privatized space. It says that the entire town where it's located is completely dedicated and supportive to Spaceport America and the Virgin Galactic program out there. I think it's really interesting that they featured an entire article in the national U.S. section of the New York Times just talking about privatized space. What do you think? It's interesting, but, you know, again, um, we're kind of living, you know, they're, they're focusing on Virgin Galactic and all that. Um, and I, I think we're kind of sort of living in, in, in Tomorrowland with all of that. I mean, I mean the this is basically for space tourism, for, you know, the super rich to go ahead and, and have, a, have an adventure of a lifetime where they're basically simulating Alan Shepard's 15-minute pop gun flight. But this isn't ready for, for John Q. Public just yet. I mean, you're not going to see, you know, initially, anyway, the uh, the guy next door over here 
over New Mexico waiting for his ticket. Um, plus, right now, there's nowhere to go. You're, you're basically going up there 15 minutes and you're back. So my feeling is call me when you're orbital and call me when you go ahead and get that, that hotel set up in there, and then maybe I'll get interested. Right, but the entire town just seems to be so involved in it, which I think is really amazing. I mean, they're probably not going to be flying. I agree with you there. But, I mean, to quote the article, quote-unquote, by now, Spaceport America has been part of the local conversation for so long that it stirs about as much excitement as the new Applebee's. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's 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 all part and parcel of, of hopefully getting people interested in, in spaceflight. And I'm hoping, yeah, they'll, they'll see this angle of it, but I'm hoping, too, they'll, they'll go ahead and see what, what, you know, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration has also been up to and try to try to also support what they're doing too because in a, in a way i hate to say this there may be some sort of symbiotic relationship there uh, between what what virgin galactic is doing and what nasa is doing they're still nasa is apparently going commercial and who knows maybe they may be helping helping virgin galactic out as well eventually which is kind of what we were just talking about yeah exactly well, I think it's also another place where a lot of space workers may find themselves being employed. I mean, there's obviously capital, there's obviously action, there's stuff happening. Whether or not Constellation was going to go ahead, you know, NASA might have lost some people to the lore of sort of this new industry, privatized, potentially higher salaries. You know, I, I, I think it's an outlet for a lot of people that work at NASA. They may find themselves relocating to New Mexico. Oh, I hope you're right, because there's a bunch of people that are going to be out of work. I mean, I don't think it. I don't, I don't think it's going to, you know, be the answer to um, the workforce development issues that space shuttle employees are going to face. But for now, it's something for some people. So let's stick along the lines here of NASA and its future. One thing that was really interesting recently was that President Barack Obama called the International Space Station. And when he called them, he said something very interesting about the future of NASA, and this is what he said. So we, we just wanted to let you know that uh, you know, the amazing work that's being done on the International Space Station, uh, the, not only by our American uh, astronauts, but also uh, our colleagues from Japan and Russia, uh, is just a testimony to uh, human ingenuity, uh, a testimony to extraordinary uh, skill uh, and courage that you guys bring to bear, and uh, is also a testimony to why continued space exploration is so important, and, and is part of the reason why uh, my commitment to NASA uh, is unwavering. So, quite an interesting statement. He completely cuts the Constellation program, yet says he has unwavering support for NASA. Do you think he got his words confused, or is he going to get some criticism, or what do you think about this? Well, um, I'll address that real quick, because I was in the um, space station control room gallery with the, uh, with the NASA tweet-up folks uh, at, at uh, the Johnson Space Flight Center when those words had, uh, had been uttered by the president. And the reaction amongst at least the majority of the, I guess it was about 90 or 100 folks that were involved on the tweet up, um, there was a lot of chuckling at that comment. Um, I know me personally said, yeah, right, because I didn't buy it. 
and one gentleman up front in the gallery just looked at it at a, at uh, at his friend and just said, uh, "What?" So I, I, not a lot of people bought that comment. And uh, to me, and, and I'm I'm trying not to be political here, but I'm, I'm unfortunately I'm going to have to get into that arena, and I, I I'm, I'm resisting doing it. But here we go. Um, these are comments from a president that you know are is talking about commercializing space and, and doing a lot of um, you know capitalistic stuff within uh, within the final frontier. And on the same token, too, um, we still own General Motors and several banks. So you know it, it sends a, a it's sending a mixed signal, and that's why I think we're we're trying not to you know buy this. It just seems to me that. The reason why we seem to be getting into this privatization thing is I'm not too sure this current White House really wants to keep space on the agenda. I think he just wants to pass it off to the private sector and let them play with it for a little while until, you know, essentially we get our act together. But yes, so the perception is that the president, although he is using this little bold initiative and just sort of giving away um, low Earth orbit to the private sector, it seems to me, too, that the perception is that he's actually abandoning NASA and abandoning the space program. And the perception out there, at least in you know my own workplace and all this, is that, again, human spaceflight is over as far as the United States is concerned. So somehow or other, the message is, is mixed or the message got crossed somewhere. And I think the, this whole thing was just badly, it was a, the whole rollout of this was just badly botched. That's just my opinion. I think he got himself confused because his support for NASA, he said, is unwavering, which may be true. But does that mean manned space flight or not? Because the only thing that he did that was good is extend the International Space Station until 2020. But otherwise, he's getting rid of pretty much America's ways of getting into space. So I think at this point he's more contradicting himself than anything and getting him and digging himself deeper, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean I mean he's he's getting rid of the shuttle, which may not may or may not be a bad thing, but he's not really really saying what the heck he's going to replace it with, except maybe some of these vehicles that are being built by, you know, the the uh, the uh, commercial air in the commercial arena. Problem is too though, okay, fine. We're still waiting for, uh, and I'm going to go back around in, in, in that circle again. We need to see the plan as far as what we're going to do with NASA and with with space exploration, not not what these private companies are trying to do, which is essentially space exploitation. <laughs> so, you know, we we are trying to figure out what we are going to do in the in in the exploration field, and there's really no incentive for you know, SpaceX or somebody like that to go off and explore the moon or to, to explore Mars. You know, there, there, there's just no financial incentive to do it. So this is only something that NASA can do. And NASA needs marching orders. This president has not issued those marching orders. Right. That's why the N in NASA stands for national, not P for privatized. Yeah, exactly. Just a side comment on the uh, phone call by the president to the uh joint ISS shuttle crew you know I noticed at the time and uh, after listening to it couldn't help but think that it was more of a sound bite than anything else it was time just before the 
evening news on the East Coast. That's about all it amounted to. I did not even hear it on the local news. Yeah, well, it may not have made it, but it was uh, like, I think it was quarter after five or thereabouts Eastern time between then and 5.30 or so. I'm not sure. I may be off on that. but Mark, I think you're right. I think it was about 4.15, 4.30 um, Central time. Okay. Now, Gene, you were mentioning before that you heard this while you were at Houston. And if I'm correct, I believe you were at a tweet-up that was located at the Johnson Space Center. You think maybe you could tell us a little bit about that? Oh, boy. We, I, I'm going to try to refrain from, from taking up a lot of time on, on it. But it, it was – I mean, I, I could sit here and talk about it for, for hours. But, um, yeah, just, just a hats off to everybody that was involved in putting that event together uh, it was an extraordinary Wednesday, one that I'm I'm not going to forget for a long time, and I'm sure that it, that uh, the uh, 100 some odd folks that also participated will not also forget. Um, they started with uh, uh, talking to uh, astronaut Dr. Robert Satcher, and he uh, uh, was relating some of his experiences on STS-129. Uh, there was a Q&A period after that, and uh, uh, wasn't your average uh, Q&A uh, question, you know, type thing where yeah, astronauts usually get, you know, how do you get, go to the bathroom in space and all that? I think I'm, I'm still very, very impressed about with, with the level of questions that this that the tweet up crews have ask and so on. Some of them are really, really thought out. Um, after that, we broke for lunch and then uh, we came back and uh, did the uh, the tour thing, and uh, that was quite quite interesting. We went over to the shuttle training uh, uh, facility there. Uh, usually folks go up on a, uh, you know, a, sort of like a over, you know, an overhead view of, uh, of the training area, not us. We were actually on the floor and um, uh, were, were presented with the mock-ups and all of that. Um, there was a gentleman over there, I believe uh, Michael Alwyn. Um, I'm, I, if, if I'm uh, not remembering the name correctly, I apologize. He was the manager, the part-time manager of the facility, but he's also a flight controller. Uh, was relating some of the stories um, of that uh, facility. One was kind of interesting too, where actually a piece of uh, hardware actually got attached to an orbiter. It was one of the doors that act uh, uh, on the underside of the orbiter. Uh, had been damaged. The doors are these these doors that uh, close up after um, the external tank uh, is jettisoned. And uh, uh, apparently, one of the doors on one of the orbiters he didn't re- men- he didn't mention which one uh, were damaged on that. And uh, instead of going off and trying to make a new door, they went ahead and took the door that was sitting in in Houston and attached it to the uh, to the orbiter. And so that actually the the door that was on this on this thing is now actually flight hardware, which was which was kind of neat. He was kind of proud of that uh, that story. Um, some of us, not all of us, um, got into the mock-ups themselves, which I'm a little jealous. Our group did not, but uh, another group did, and uh, we had some photography from that. You'll probably, if if you take a look around on Flickr, you'll see that. Um, from what I, I heard, uh, a lot of folks have got a lot of new respect for uh, what the uh, uh, astronauts go through while they're inside the orbiter. It's not really a big place at all. It's very, very hard to maneuver around in, even in in the uh, 1G environment of Earth, and uh, it's probably still just a little difficult to do that in microgravity conditions once you're on orbit. 
Um, but uh, people said that uh, when they were touring the mock-ups, they now have a whole new respect for uh, for the astronauts and unfortunately the room they, that they have to, to operate in because it's not really a whole heck of a lot of room. The one thing that somebody did mention, and uh, Gina, I don't know, if you're, I know you're, you're in the process of reading astronaut Mike Mullane's book. Um, no, I've read that one already okay. a couple All times. Right, cool. Yeah, that, then cool. yeah it's I a great book. Yeah, um, there's one one area where he's he's talking about sitting in the mid deck before flight, and uh, you could just pic- picture that um, where all you're doing is just looking at a row of lockers for like two hours. Uh, I just uh, you know, and, and it's dark in there, and, and you're like, mm. you know, so you just get a whole new respect for what the crews go through. From there, we move to the uh, neutral buoyancy lab, or um, for those of you uh, who are listening who don't know what that is, that is the huge swimming pool over at um, over at the uh, uh, Johnson Space Flight Center. Uh, we could not get into the room because they were conducting a training exercise at the time we were there. Um, but we so we got to uh, get over on the on the uh, overhead area there. But uh, there were two divers. Um, that were there that were willing to answer any and all questions and both of them you know god bless them they were probably the most enthusiastic individuals on on the tour in plain english they really really could have just sat there and talked to us all day about uh about how how the divers helped the astronauts and so on um and hats off to both of them there was, as I said, there was a training exercise going on, and we were able to go ahead and view that. The the pool again is absolutely just just mind boggling, bogglingly huge. In fact, uh, Jenny Knotts, who is our PAO, uh, you know, nurse maid through through our tour, said, "Well, when you get in there, you're probably going to say, holy crap,' because that's what I say every time I look at this, and I've been in there 80 zillion times, and it is that it is that impressive." I heard that when they actually filled that pool. People had no water pressure for like blocks around there. That's um, correct. For like a week. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. Um, which I thought was kind of kind of neat. So okay, we'll we'll move right along from there. The, the neat thing too is though they had a a station truss in there, and they also had a uh, off to the side there was a I guess what uh, part of the shuttle which which represents the payload bay, also sitting sitting in the pool. So I thought that was kind of a, an, an interesting interesting deal. We moved from the neutral buoyancy facility over to the uh, control center itself. Now each control center has its own little gar- gallery behind it. And uh, we were, for the shuttle control center, um, we were you know in the gallery over there. Uh, the shuttle control center was, was pretty much uh, in a monitoring mode, monitoring Endeavor systems at that point. Uh, we were given also to the uh, head of the uh, mission operations directorate, who, forgive me, the name escapes me. I'm sorry. It was, it was a, just a great gentleman. He's essentially has the same job that Chris Kraft had. Um, and uh, was talking to us a little bit about the room and when it was established. I believe this, that particular control room was established back in 1994, 1995, that area. It took over from the original um, uh, mission uh, control area, or, or the MOKER, as it as it was called back then. Now it's simply called Historic Mission Control. Um, but uh, we were able to go ahead and, and view uh, view the activities there for a little bit, and field questions about uh, the shuttle and, and how it's monitored and, and 
so on, and field questions about the, the board, and, and uh, field questions about each one of the uh, uh, each one of the stations and what they do. We moved on. Now here here was the kicker. Uh, the next stop was going to be the uh, you know the old uh, mission operations uh, control room or, or, or the MOKER, which is now called Historic Mission Control. And I didn't you know I thought for sure that we were going to be once again in that behind viewing gallery. We're walking around and uh, uh, we spy the little coffee area, which now it says 15 cents, which has uh, sort of irked uh, uh, Wayne Hale's ire a little bit. I remember that from a blog post he wrote. So we we walk past there, and I'm I, we go we go down a corridor, and we hang a quick left, and all of a sudden, there are the telltale wooden railings right in front of me, and my jaw dropped. Um, we were actually going inside the old Apollo Mission Control Center. Uh, we were not going over in the gallery. We were actually inside with the consoles and all of that. And, um, again, that was kind of an emotional moment for me. I remember seeing that when I was a very small child and, and never thinking in my life, in, in my wildest dreams, I'd be able to stand inside that room where the Apollo, uh, where the Apollo missions were, uh, were supervised and, and controlled from. And, uh, you just kind of sort of go look at the consoles and you kind of picture folks like Cy Liebergott and Steve Bales and, all of those folks, and, and of course the great flight directors, Gene Krantz and so on, Glenn Lunny, um, is sort of in that room. There are a lot of ghosts in there, and they're all talking to you. And you know, for for those who want to listen, and uh, it, it was just an absolutely amazing experience. Um, the tweet-up photograph was taken inside that room, so I'm kind of interested in, in seeing what that, that kind of looked like, all, all 100 of us were. From there, we went to a room that uh, is not on the tour. That is the uh, ISS operations room, uh, and we were able to go ahead and, and as we alluded to before, um, sit in on uh, the crew wake-up call and sit in on the, uh, the president's message. Uh, we were... Um, it, it was it was kind of really really a privilege to sit over there because again this is not part of the tour and all that so it was it was kind of neat to 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 go ahead and visit there. Um, I also noticed too that it seemed like the ISS control room had the ball so to speak during docked operations and the um, shuttle mission control center was basically in a monitoring mode monitoring the health of uh, health of the orbiter. So but I just thought that that was kind of kind of interesting to look at. Um, the rooms, by the way, are a lot smaller than they look on television, boys and girls. Um, but uh, that that's one of the things that I walked walked away away with that. But uh, uh, again, um, I have to go ahead and, and give huge kudos to uh, to anybody that was involved in putting this whole thing together. There was a lot of memories in here that we're not soon soon going to forget. Um, and uh, uh, I'm, I, the big question after the whole thing was over, uh, we got was, you know, how did this stack up against other events that we had gone to, other tweet up events that we had gone to? And, and I guess, you know, those of us who had gone to a few or, or had the honor of going to a few were asked that question. And it, the biggest question was, how did it stack up if we were able to get to the 129 event? 
how did that stack up against against the, the KSC event? And I'm saying, well, I said, well, you're just kind of sort of, you know, comparing apples to oranges. But my feeling was that the KSC event showcased what the Kennedy Space Center does best. It launched, it's in launch operations and it launches vehicles into orbit or into wherever they're going. And um, in our case, we were privileged to see STS-129 leave, uh, leave for orbit. And again, that sort of showcased what that side of the house does best. The, the event over the Johnson Space Flight Center said again, though, what Johnson does best, which is mission operations and, and, and flight training. And uh, that was showcased also to the best of their ability. So, so hats off to them. Um, I will say that uh, um, afterward, where a bunch of us, I guess, were able to get out to um, places that we didn't yet see on, you know, the, the, the tweet-up tour, and that was, of course, the Saturn V. And um, I think uh, it was our my final full day in, in Houston, and I was there with... Uh, a, uh, another uh, one of the attendees, a uh, uh, nice uh, lady by the name of Sh- uh, Shannon Moore, and we were both kind of sort of snapping pictures of, of the of the Saturn V in there. Um, that particular Saturn was uh, destined for Apollo 18, but uh, was not to be. And um, I'm I'm sitting there, uh, you know, just snapping pictures and, and soaking the Saturn in. In the meantime, there were two tour groups coming in and out, and there were times where Shannon and I essentially had this huge, huge room all to ourselves with the uh, with the Saturn sitting in it. And uh, sorry, I was wearing that that black, you know, bomber jacket with the NASA insignias and all that. But you've you've seen that one before. So I guess I got tagged a little bit, and people were starting to ask me questions about the Saturn and so on. I kind of felt like I should be picking up the paycheck from uh, um, from uh, the. Uh, the tour guides there uh, at the end of the day. But uh, one thing I will say, and, and Gina, you've seen this because you've, you've been in this room before. You have a, a set of uh, canvas mural, murals on, on one side of the wall where you have, uh, you know, all the Apollo crews. And then you have um, off to the, the, the far side, you know, the, the constellation um, architecture and how we were going to get back to the moon and so on. And a lot of people looked at that, and you know, they they had, oh, okay, that's nice. And some of them thought that constellation was actually going on. Um, but a few of them kind of looked at that, like, you know, oh darn, this is what should have been. And a few of them were like, well, how come we're, looked at me as if I was one of the representatives and said, well, how come we're not doing that anymore? And I I just didn't know what how to answer that question. So I was just like, well, it was a, you know, we'll just call it a policy shift. And uh, and call it uh, you know call it a day, um, but it, it it actually angered the people that some of the people that 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 walked into that room saying that we're not going to do this anymore. Well, why not? How come we're not doing it anymore? And I said I can't give you an answer again. It's a policy shift thing, and said that there may be some new things coming, but we'll just have to wait and see. So. You know, that was just one of the things, but it, it was kind of it was actually kind of fun playing tour guide for a while, because I was you know I was sort of in my element as it, as it were anyway with this huge Saturn V rocket sitting in front of me. 
Um, but uh, again, it was a it was a great event. The people that go to these things are are, are really really some good folks. Um, we kind of just you know, I've made some new friends and, and cemented some old ones, old friendships at this at these things, and uh, uh, it was it was an honor and a privilege to talk to a few of the folks that uh, helped keep the shuttles flying that I've talked to on Twitter, and. Uh, got to know a few of them. Uh, one, we had a very interesting little moment. Um, I'm not, I don't really want to go into it because I'm all embarrassing folks, but it, that was, that was quite a, quite a special, uh, a special exchange there. And, uh, but all in all, I, if, if you do get a chance, if you, if, if one comes up again and, uh, you want to throw your name in the hat to get into one of these things, one of these, uh, tweet up events, by all means, please do it. I would encourage anybody to go ahead and do it because it, it's quite a learning experience if you've never done this before, or if you, you know, if you're you're an actual, you know, if you're really really hardcore uh, space devotee, um, you have to do this. That, that's that's all I'm going to say. NASA does roll out the red carpet for you, and they do it in a in grand fashion, and it, it's it's quite an eye opener. All right, so it sounds like you had a really great time there, Gene, and uh, I hope everyone else that was there got to enjoy it as well. And to be perfectly honest, that's the only reason I would ever want to go out to Houston, Texas. <laughs> Just, yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, they do they do have a bunch of longhorns out there and a bunch of deer and, and all that. So, you know, the Johnson Space Flight Center, again, is, is kind of sort of like it's uh, – like it's Kennedy Cousins, so there there is a lot of wildlife in there. In fact, they only use a small percentage of the land that NASA NASA has. The rest of it is all you know, corned off for for wildlife, which is which I find kind of interesting. Sure, I still would want to go out there. It's not the place I would like to visit, but we'd like to thank all of our listeners here for stopping by to visit our place and our podcast and listening to that as well. Uh, and I'd also like to thank everybody that joined us here in our conversation. Thank you, Mark Raderman. My pleasure, sir. Thank you, Gina Hurley. I enjoyed it. And thank you, Gene McCulka. A blast as always, sir. Thank you so much. We'd also like to add a special congratulations to the crew of STS-130, who successfully completed their mission to the International Space Station, delivering the Tranquility Module, a.k.a. Node 3, as well as the Cupola, which is a brand new window onto the universe and to the world above and below, and will also aid them in their robotic arm work. And after 5.7 million miles, once again, congratulations to George, Zambo, Zamka, and the rest of the STS-130 crew. And once again, have a great day, night, evening, or whatever it may be where you are. And P.S. Don't get the space beat plague. It's horrible.